0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Today Town Packers podcast. I am back. My name is Griffin. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at AlldayPackers. And of course I'm joined by Braun, who you can follow on Instagram at Lambo.leapers. Uh we're coming off of a maybe the most stressful game that I've ever seen in any sport. Uh my I almost had a heart attack about four different times in this game, maybe five different times. Uh, It was very stressful, very emotional. I laughed. I cried. I did a lot. Bron, what are your thoughts coming out of this game?
1: Yeah, you're right. I mean, it was one of the more emotional, stressful games I've ever seen. The amount of times that I thought we won and then the amount of times I thought we lost the game, just crazy. Maybe the most ever in a single game I've ever watched. So uh, yeah, it was crazy, Griff. Obviously a lot to dive into and I'm excited to talk about it all with you.
0: So much to dive into. So uh, I mean, the amount of times that there were there were big plays by either offense that were gonna set up a game winning field goal, and it's like, oh wow, that's the highlight moment. And then it's it's a missed field goal, and they kept missing them. It by the end of it, it was just ridiculous. I mean, uh, where do we start with this game? I guess we got to start with Mason Crosby because. He missed, uh, four field goals. I believed. I believe three field goals. How many did he miss? I can't even remember. I just know. He I just know it was a three lot. Three
1: kicks. Yeah, three kicks and one uh, extra point. So he ended okay, up so going three four field for seven goals. on
0: field goals. Yeah, four for seven on field goals. In oh game. my god! Well, the fact that he kicks seven field goals—that is—that is insane. But uh, yeah. I mean, week five is the enemy of Mason Crosby because if you remember, Bron. Week five, 2018, in Detroit, he had a similar meltdown. I, I don't know, man. I try it's, to
1: forget usually.
0: Yeah, we all do. I thought that was in the past. You know, everyone loves bringing up the stats of since that game. He's been he's been on fire. He's made 27 straight field goals. But I don't know, man. Twice now in three years, he's had these kind of single game meltdowns where he just is he getting in his own head. I don't know, but he just can't. He forgets how to how to kick a field goal, and um, it it cost us the game it should have cost us the game at three different points but luckily the Bengals kicker uh something was in the air because he couldn't make them either it was it was such a weird weird day in the nfl on sunday because there was like 11 missed extra points it it was the strangest strangest day of football that maybe i've ever seen
1: and it was bizarre too because it was a perfect weather game in cincinnati i don't think the win was really much of a factor either Uh, the the real, the reality of it is that in this league, especially at that position, he missed that extra point and it was not close. And once that happens, you know, it's just like it kind of, when it rains, it pours type of thing. And he just could not hit it after that. And you mentioned, you know, he probably got in his own head a little bit because now he's trying to make it really hard and he's trying not to miss. And all he can think about is I can't miss this. I can't miss this. And it just, it's not the same. And the operation seemed good. You know, in terms of the snap, to, on on a couple times, there actually was one that uh, Mason made, one of the earlier ones in the game that he made, where the snap was bad and they got it down somehow and he made it. But other than that, uh, I feel like the operation was pretty good from snap to punter to hold. You know, I feel like that was pretty good in general. So it was really all Mason, and and for him to miss those kicks, obviously we could have lost the game, we should have won the game. I, I feel like we had it put away at the end of regulation. He misses the kick. We could have won it a couple times in overtime, and then he didn't make those kicks. We finally won it in about our third chance to win the game in overtime. So um, to me, when you're looking at this game, in terms of the special teams, I'm not worried about Mason unless, you know, we'll see what happens this week, but I'm pretty confident he'll be fine. He's been through this before. He's a pro. You know, he's been in the league forever. He, he knows how to handle this kind of thing. He literally handled, like you mentioned, the exact same thing. In week five, the middle of the year, he has a bad game, and he eventually overcame it, and he's been amazing since then, as you stated earlier. So, um, I'm confident in him. But about this team, when you look at the grand scheme of things, going, you know, coming off this win, I really, I, sh- I feel great about this football team because I feel like we were cruising at points on offense in the second half. Um, the defense played maybe it's maybe it's best game. You know, you look at the not even just the the point total we were able to hold them to, but I felt like we were getting pressure with our four-man rush with guys that you've maybe never even heard of. Like, it was just bizarre. I feel like Joe Barry had maybe one of his better games. We saw a lot of different things we haven't seen. We'll get into some of the specifics of that, but I feel good about this team, and I definitely, you know, to be able to come out of this game with a win was was really, really strong and something I think this team needed uh, to persevere, persevere through this adversity. Um, a great sign of a team that wants to go deep into the postseason for sure.
0: Right, and I'm glad it was I'm glad it was Mason that that won us the game. That's important for him, his confidence. Uh, it, can you imagine if if we went for it on that fourth and inches and then just went and scored a touchdown? Because Crosby, I mean, we're, we came out of that game talking about Mason Crosby. Like, what happened? At least he, at least it ended up okay. At least we still got the W. Um, but if we went down and scored a touchdown or didn't get the fourth down and the Bengals won, or if the Bengals kicker made either of those kicks. Then we're talking about Mason Crosby in a in a much worse light than we than we already are right now, but um, it was similar to. Uh, do you remember in that 2018 game at at the very end of the game? I can't remember if it was as time expired, but it was a meaningless game. We were down multiple scores, and uh, McCarthy sent out Crosby just to go kick a field goal, and he made it. And it was just like, okay, that's that's really cool. That's a good coaching move. Let him end the game on a made field goal just for the confidence. And uh, I'm glad that happened in this game as well cuz obviously fans are so so stupid, man. Some of them. Cuz it's like every time both times that this has happened now, fans are like we got to cut Mason Crosby. This is unacceptable. Like are you kidding me, man? Come on. Get out of here. He's he's still a great kicker. These things happen. Everyone has a bad day. Obviously kickers they it's a smaller margin for error, but when we have a guy like Mason Crosby, who's been on the team for so long, made so many clutch kicks for us, fans who just want to cut him after one bad performance, they just, they irk me more than, more than most things in life.
1: Yeah, I definitely am in the same ballpark as you with regards to cutting Mason. I definitely, even after, you know, that 2018 game where it was like the first time that this really happened and it was crucial to the season and the moment, I never really thought about like actually cutting Mason Crosby and, and signing who, for one. I mean, who are we going to go get to replace him that would be even remotely close to the kind of production that he has and the efficiency, the accuracy, even the leg power that he has. It's just not out there right now, and it wasn't back then either. Um, not once for a second did I ever, even if he missed that final kick, I would be sitting here advocating for him right now, uh, you know, to stay on this roster, to stay on this football team and, and knowing that he would bounce back. But, um, yeah, certainly never thought about that, uh, throughout that game. He's, he's going to be here. He, you know, he's going to be here for as long as he wants to be really, unless he starts missing strings of kicks throughout multiple games. It's there's, there's no reason that he, he would ever, um, uh, be released or anything like that because 99% of the time he's going to be one of the top five kickers in the NFL. And he's going to be that for as long as he wants to. So, um, yeah, never thought about that. And like you mentioned, you know, that's that's really—it's kind of sad that fans are so quick to just bail on a guy. Just the same way that you know the way the things with that happened with Aaron Rodgers this past off season, they hear these rumors, and and Aaron hasn't even commented on it, or nothing of actual reality or fact has come out about it, and fans are just ready to trade him for whatever reason. And then it comes out that he wasn't feeling all these things, and he wasn't saying all these things that people were reporting and and now he's back with the team obviously. So it's it's a similar situation there and you know, I always say that fans have to be patient and then let things play out before they react. Um and this is definitely one of those instances.
0: I have a rule if you're if your hair grows gray in the time that you're in Green Bay then you're off limits. And that goes for Rodgers and Crosby and and Tremont Williams. You cannot you cannot slander those guys cuz they're Packer legends and I love them. Including Crosby. He's a great player. Great kicker. I've no doubt he's gonna bounce back from this. Uh let's let's jump into the offense here, Braun, because it was kind of a you know, it was a productive day, that's for sure. A lot of yards. Rogers had his season high in yards, three hundred and forty four yards on the day. Devontae Adams, obviously, monstrous day, two hundred and six yards, career high. Uh, but only twenty five points the gold zone offense not what it was in 2020. And uh let's let's start for, with Rodgers here as we usually do. Um what do you what did you think of Rodgers' performance?
1: Well, when I when I watched Rodgers in the first half, that really that first quarter only about um looked like he had, you know, at times there was decent protection and whether guys weren't getting open or he was reluctant to hit the checkdown. It was a little bit more a lot less in rhythm and a little bit more kind of looking for that big play trying to find something that was, you know, where he's getting off schedule and looking for something a little bit bigger than what's sitting there available. And then other times I felt like he made good plays. There was that missed tripping call that kind of influenced that big third down where he was really tripped, got out of the pocket, looked kind of like he used to have to do a lot, which is get out of the pocket and make a play off schedule. He he kind of did that. And he's. I felt like he put a good ball out there at times. You know, The one pick I thought was a not a terrible throw, maybe not a great decision, but I felt like Devante was kind of being, uh, I, I, I thought, you know, first, first view, I thought that was defensive pass interference because Devante was kind of blocked from behind to be able to ever have a chance to get that ball, which I thought was in a pretty good spot, but, um, then it was picked off anyway and no call was made. So you kind of have to live with that. But I thought the throw to Tunyon, uh, on the run, uh, I think that was a third down. I thought that was a good throw that maybe should have been caught, but Tunyon's arm was being held down. So, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into the way Rodgers was throwing the ball. And we saw, as the game went on, pretty much second quarter forward, he went, he went really accurate. He was really efficient. He, he completed a lot of balls in a row. He was super, super high completion percentage after that. Um, obviously, he had a couple touchdowns. He made a lot of plays to Devontae in the middle of the field. Uh, A lot of third down conversions. Him and Randall Cobb were in sync a lot. And and there was a couple things that were out of his control, like missed assignments that continued to happen from younger guys and guys that really don't play as much. Um, And he had to deal with an offensive line that he really still doesn't feel comfortable around in the slightest. I, I feel like he's very hesitant at times to make plays because he doesn't have that same confidence and reliance on a David Bakhtiari on the left to hold things down for two and a half seconds. Same thing with no Corey Lindsley at center. Elton Jenkins not being on the field, you know, those are the things that kind of make him have to control a little bit more of the things that are going on on offense and having to micromanage a lot of the stuff that goes on in terms of a a protection standpoint. So all those things put together, I thought Rodgers played a really good game uh, after that first quarter, and, and he was one of the bigger reasons as to why we won that football game.
0: Yeah, he started the game two for seven with 20 yards and a pick, and that pick i i don't know what that was it looked like it was just a duck i mean I, it looked like one, it honestly looked like one of those throws that he makes it's just like to see if they're going to throw a flag for it cuz it did i don't know if it was technically defensive pass interference but it was a little it was, the, the corner was getting pretty physical so they they would have thrown if they threw the flag i wouldn't have been shocked you know and i don't think Rodgers wouldn't have been either I really don't know why he, why he threw that ball. And it wasn't a spiral. It was kind of a duck. Uh, I don't know. But after that, after he started 2 of 7, he finishes the game 25 of 32 with 324 and two t- two touchdowns. So that's that's kind of the Rodgers performance that we're used to seeing. Uh, yeah, I agree. He, he looked really strong on some plays, but some plays were still you know, a little frustrating, a little... A little bit of the passing up on open guys, trying to make the big play. like that play to Tunyon that you were talking about on 3rd and 10 early in the game. It's like he's got Aaron Jones running right in front of him. Could he just hit him? Probably runs for a first down and we're moving the sticks, but instead we have to punt. Uh, It's just some some things like that. His time to throw this game was 2.9 seconds. And, you know, a lot of those throws ended up being big plays, especially to Devontae. But, you know, it's just I would like to see us play a little bit more in rhythm, a little bit more schematic football. But I do understand that uh, without some of these starters on the offensive line, some of these plays are just harder to run, especially against the Bengals defense, man. They were playing good. The corners were sticky. A lot of the times our receivers just could not get separation. So it's like you can you can argue that Rodgers is trying to force the ball to Devontae, which maybe that's true on some plays. But I when they play man coverage, there's not a lot of guys who are getting open. So it makes sense just to... Try and feed it to Tay because otherwise Rodgers is holding on to the ball with no one open, double clutching, and uh, getting sacked or having to throw it away. So it's it, it comes in handy having a guy like Devontae when we have all these injuries because he's able to just take over a game pretty much whenever he wants.
1: Part of playing on schedule to me is, is getting the ball to your first read. As quick as possible under that two point five second mark, it's hard to go through those kind of progressions and keep it under that two and a half seconds. Uh, if you don't hit your first or second read, and of course, as we all know, and Matt Lafleur has said this out loud, you know, Devonte Adams is pretty much their first read on probably ninety percent of plays in the passing game. So, when Rogers is looking and Devonte's there, and he feels like he can hit him on pretty much anything, when he's when he's double covered, he feels like he can hit him. When he's single covered, he always throws him the ball. So, of course, Devante's going to get the ball a lot, and he did get the ball a lot to the tune of 206 yards, a career high. Um, to me, I'm not worried about him forcing the ball, especially when it's working and they're having so much success and they're winning because of it. You know, to me, I, I never get too worried about that because it just means, A, they are playing on schedule, as we saw. And that's really from the second to the fourth and overtime, they, they were able to really hit Devontae pretty much whenever they wanted staying on schedule getting the ball out quick and and that's the kind of thing that when they get when they let that happen that's that's a sign of being in rhythm playing on schedule because when he's getting the ball and you know that he's really all the time going to be their first read then they're having that kind of success where he's playing on schedule and he's kind of doing the things he wants to do with Devontae Adams being that number one guy
0: yeah and having a guy like Devontae where it's Defenses no. We talk about this all the time. Defenses know. We're gonna try and get the ball to Devontae as much as we can. And the fact that he's still able to have games like this is just incredible. He's an incredible player. We are truly blessed to be able to watch him every week. This this was really one of those games where I just I, I can't believe he's on our team, you know? Like he's just so damn good, dude. He is so good and he catches everything. Just throw it to him. He's gonna catch it. He is he's really unbelievable and this is the game that makes me think he's a hall of famer. Uh I if he gets a Super Bowl ring, he's a lock, but right now I think he is a hall of famer. And he is these past 5 6 years, man, he has been so good and he finally gets a game over 200 receiving yards as, you know, all the all the really great receivers in NFL history. They have one of those truly dominant yardage games, and this was it for him. I wish he could have gotten another touchdown because it would have been a prettier stat line. No one was talking about his performance, by the way. That pissed me off. Everyone's talking about the kicking, which I get it, but I I haven't heard one guy talk about uh, Devontae's monster day. That's upsetting, but I don't even care anymore because watching him is just such a joy.
1: Yeah, I mean, he is certainly, he has this lore about him that it's like you can i I watch guys on the sideline coaches telling their uh their players on defense you know whether it was the second quarter I saw it and then the fourth quarter and overtime I saw it twice as well, where the defensive coach is telling them you know just watch seventeen and you can read their lips and they're saying the same thing, and just don't let seventeen don't you know don't let him do this, just keep your eyes on seventeen, and I'm hearing it, and I'm seeing it, and it's just like they ha- he has this lore about him that's just. It's like Megatron. It's it's like Julio Jones, where it's just like you have to watch him at all all times. It's like what those guys were doing when they were in their primes, playing the best ball, getting double covered on every play. It's like Devonte Adams is getting that same exact treatment, where he truly is, just you know, larger than life out there. Like he's just dominating. He he's a grown man amongst boys out there. It's not close, you know. he's, he's the easiest top best receiver in the NFL by far. He just put all those things out there, and, and he yet, like you mentioned, Griff, he's getting double-teamed like on 50% of plays in that game against the Bengals, which is less than usual, and he goes off for over 200 yards. He gets a touchdown on a fade route where he's supposed to probably be double-covered on that play. You saw the safety shade over pretty late, but, I mean, he, he's got guys all over him. He makes that deep catch racing past three Bengals secondary players, Um doesn't matter if the middle field's open, doesn't matter if the middle field's closed, doesn't matter if it's too high, doesn't matter if it's single coverage, doesn't matter if he's getting triple teamed. He's getting the ball in his hands and doing something with it each and every play that he gets the ball. It's impressive, and he is truly the greatest receiver in this game today.
0: He really is. He, <laughs> I'm, I, just, I, I got the highlights playing right now, and as you're talking, I'm watching him making plays, and it's like, oh my god. Uh, he's so good. And it's, it's a credit to Matt LaFleur too, because coming into this game with Devontae, Randall Cobb, and Alan Lazard, who of those guys are you really afraid of? It's Devontae. Uh, Cobb has great, had a great game last week, but I mean, come on. Devontae is the guy on our offense. And Matt LaFleur is just able to give him good looks consistently. I mean, it, it didn't matter who was covering him really, because he had 20, Devontae had 20 yards on four different guys. um, But, Devon LaFleur just moves him around so well and is always giving him different looks, unscouted looks every week that the defense doesn't know how to prepare for. It's so hard to just say double Devontae on every play when he's the number three receiver in trips formation or sometimes he's on the boundary or last year he was in the backfield sometimes. Um, uh, he's, Matt LaFleur when you look over in Arizona with Cliff Kingsbury, and he has DeAndre Hopkins. He puts Hopkins on the boundary like 92% of snaps. He never moves him around. He just glues him to the sideline and says, get open. And that's that's much easier for a defense to commit to taking him away than it is Devontae Adams, who can seriously play from anywhere. And he's so good that it's it would be a disservice to only play him on the boundary. And Lafleur is the perfect coach for having a superstar receiver like Devontae
1: he's he's almost like just the most lethal chess piece there was it's like if you introduced a new piece to chess call him one seven and it's just like you just move him anywhere put him in any spot he can move all around the board and he just is automatic checkmate every time you put him in a position to win and to me that's the kind of player he is and it's just clear that each and every week he's going to come out and continue to have success, and continue to dominate, regardless of A, who's covering him, and B, how many players are covering him. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your plan is. It doesn't matter who you've got out there. He's going to do his thing, and teams are starting to understand that, I think.
0: Yep, and just once we get healthy, I really think this offense is going to look a lot different, man, because you know everything just feels so hard still. Everything feels like... The early down success, first and second downs, has just not been there this year, man. It's The run game is not what it was last year, mostly because of the offensive line and uh, the passing game too. It's just we have to go empty a lot more than we did last year. We have to play out of our scheme a lot more than we did last year, mostly because of injuries. And when we're missing a guy like Marquez Valdez-Gantling, Who do we have who can go deep down the field? Devontae Adams. He did a 59-yard reception. But he's not that guy that you want to send 50 yards downfield every play. He's not the fastest guy in the receiver room. Obviously, that's MVS. And um, being without MVS really makes a big difference to our offensive production. Just having that extra guy in there who can – just adding an extra skill set to the position and – being without the off three starters on the O-line, Bakhtiari, Elton, and Josh Myers, who I thought was gonna play until Friday when he was ruled out. And I thought Elton was gonna play until an hour and a half before kickoff when he was ruled out. And Lucas Patrick, man, he's a good player. He's a good player to have on the bench, but when we have to start him at center, it's not going to be a productive game on the ground. And having those guys back is going to be so important for the for the offense. I think I just think when we get those guys back this offense is going to look a lot better. Rodgers is going to be more comfortable. We're going to be able to run the ball better. A.J. Dillon is going to be able to get going. Aaron Jones is going to be get, able to get going. We don't have to run empty, deep shots every freaking play. It's I think it's going to look a lot more like, like the 2020 offense.
1: Yeah, it certainly will. And, and when you talk about the way that this team looks right now, to me, the, the kind of games where we're coming out and winning looks very similar to that 2019-style Packers team the difference to me is the fact that I think the defense is playing and showing a little more promise, playing a little bit better. Um, and I think we know that the injuries are the big part of that. In 2019, it had really – it wasn't as much injuries. We, we were pretty healthy that year, actually. Um, it, it was mostly just not in sync, new offense, a lot of that stuff, where we had all those guys out there, but we just kind of weren't clicking the whole way. And yet we still went 13-3, and three, but we hadn't hit our true potential yet. And in this case – it's because of the injuries, really, and it's just because of those those things that we can't control, those kind of intangible, um, just out-of-our-control situations where we have this adversity. But the the good thing is we're coming out on the other side of it with a victory each and every time. Especially, you know, things are getting worse and worse each week. We, you know, this is the first week where we kind of had a, not really had any major injuries. Um, Kevin King went down at one point and didn't return. But other than that, we kind of went out of the game pretty healthy. Uh, so, you know, with this offense, like you mentioned, as soon as David and Elton are back, you're talking about David there on the left. And then I don't know where the, I'm assuming they would, I don't know. I I think they should put Elton at right tackle. Um, but I could see them just letting Bill Turner kind of sit there and be comfortable at that spot. I don't know at this point, but you know what, regardless, you know, the five's going to be David Elton, Bill Turner, Josh Myers, and who I don't even know who they'd play at right guard at that point. It it gets jumbled, but you know that he's got confidence in those guys. Um, and once he gets more comfortable there, it's going to be a lot easier. A lot easier for Rodgers to feel like he can just kind of sit back there, play in rhythm, feel confident in being able to move through reads progressively. Um, and then the running game, of course, will get better, even though I feel like A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones both were really impressive in their own right uh, on Sunday against the Bengals.
0: Yeah, you're right. And I there was a lot more a, a lot more bootleg action as the game went on on Sunday 11 play action passes in total which was an improvement over the last couple weeks when we didn't run much at all but um it, as the game started i just i don't know if it's a Rodgers thing or a LaFleur thing but it's like teams every single week for the rest of the season probably for the rest of Rodgers career based on how the trends of NFL defenses are going teams are going to play too high and force us to be patient they're going to force Rodgers to take the underneath throws, run the ball. It, they're not going to allow the the big play action, deep shots to open the game, or they're trying not to allow it at all. And I don't know why we have to open the game every single week, trying to score a touchdown on the opening play. It's just, I mean, it's so, it's so frustrating. I don't know if that's a Rogers thing or a Lafleur thing, because that's, that's a Rogers trend that goes back to 2019 and 2018, but I thought he fixed it last year, you know, but It's just a lot of times this season, he's just been passing up like two, twice, two occasions on Sunday. There was a third and 10 Packers run mesh. Anyone who plays Madden knows what mesh is. You got your two crossers, right? And there's something deeper, a corner route or a post route. I can't really tell, but Rodgers is staring down that while he's got Alan Lazard running wide open right in front of him. That's an easy 15 yards. I don't know why he's not throwing that. Last year, the Packers ran more mesh than any team in football history. They ran it better than any team in football history. And this year, I don't know why. They're just not they're just not doing the simple things that um that we were successful with last year, you know? And that's it allows the Bengals corners to man up on our guys, play good defense, and exploit the fact that we don't have very much talent in that room outside of Devontae. So it's I'm sick of the low percentage throws in this offense. I just wish every single play Matt LaFleur could pull out something that he's been working on in the week like we did last year. It wouldn't be so frustrating if I didn't see evidence of it being possible last season and Rodgers winning an MVP when he did it last season. So that's the most frustrating thing about this offense. I mean, again, they had a very productive day on Sunday. I can't complain too much, even though it sounds like I'm complaining a lot, but it's just that's the most annoying thing for sure.
1: I definitely think things like that will open up again once they have that deep passing level of attack with MVS coming back. As soon as he's back, I feel like that element of the offense will return and it'll be a little bit more opened up for us. Um, that We've missed that top-off speed. We just haven't had it, and he's valuable. I, I mean, MVS is just a truly valuable player. Um, he makes a lot of plays. We need to get him the ball more as soon as he comes back. I feel like, to me, it's got to be – Devonte and Randall, because those are the two guys Rodgers trusts more than anybody. And then MVS, I, I feel like he's got to be that third guy consistently. Allen, he'll get, he's going to have to kind of take a back seat like he has this pretty much this year. He hasn't gotten much action in, in the passing game. Um, he had one play uh, where they kind of gave him the ball and gave him a chance to run with it. Uh, he, he had a couple catches, I think, but the one play where they really got tried to give him a chance, it was, a you know, Obviously designed for Allen, and EQ just absolutely missed his assignment, and Allen got rocked. I mean, he just got rocked, and he's just kind of been doing all the dirty work for this offense Uh, in the running game, obviously making a lot of key blocks and stuff like that, but he's just not been involved in the passing game. Um, But he's, he's a great player to have because we've seen him put up games where he's gone over 100 yards. He's had big touchdowns, big moments, big catches. So he's great to have on the bench. Obviously, it improves our receiving room to have him around. Um, but yeah, you mentioned it. The, he he MVS has got to come back, and I, I think that'll help overall uh, improve the offense and kind of bring it back to what we had last year where we had that kind of top-end speed uh, on the field.
0: We have such great role players like Lazard and MVS, but behind them, when we're missing them, the offense, it really takes a hit. Um, speaking of that Lazard play, do you see Rodgers, he chewed EQ's ass out. The play before that, he chewed Deguara's ass out he's waiting for dominique daphne he's waiting for the return of the daphne duck our friend friend of the show (laughs) (laughs) who would have thought he would be the best tight end on the roster i mean robert Tunyon this year is mia he had a nice catch on the sideline on third and four that was a that was a good catch that was probably his second best play of the season it was like a six yard gain he he has 82 receiving yards this year what's with that What's up, Tanyan? It's a contract year. Everyone thinks he's going to get big money, 10 touchdowns last year, and he, he has done nothing this year. And Deguara, he's he, we probably probably overrated him coming into the year. Uh, Jay Sternberger, he plays for Washington now. Uh, that's kind of it, you know? I mean, yeah, when you look at the tight end room at this point, uh,
1: we all know that Robert Tanyan last year had a really, really good year. Uh, the touchdowns were there. He was productive. He was getting a lot of design plays in the passing game. This year, he just hasn't been able, for whatever reason, to get as much action. Uh, and when he's getting the ball, it's been bizarre. He's gotten a few pass interference calls on him uh, where the he doesn't get those statistical numbers of catches. Um, he's had a few balls that I felt like maybe he could have caught but didn't. Um, but then he has had those few plays where um, – Yes, he's making plays. You know, like he, he he had that third down conversion, which I thought was a really nice catch um, and a good throw by Rodgers. It felt like it was one of the stronger connections that those two have had throughout this season so far. We'll just kind of have to see what happens uh, as we move forward. But then, like you mentioned, without Dominique Daphne out there, you know, being a, a factor in, in not only the pass blocking, the run blocking, but he is making plays in the passing game as well. Um, to, to not have him, it's really just Tunyon and then. You mentioned Josiah DeGora, who's back. He's been, you know, not as good as we would have hoped so far, but he's still kind of easing into his role. Hopefully, he gets better. He has to be better in the blocking game. He has to, because that's pretty much the primary assignment of what we've got out there. I thought Mercedes Lewis, pretty much everybody would agree that he had a really, really strong game. Maybe his best in terms of, you know, catching the ball. I feel like that might have been his best game as a Packer. Um, He made a lot of decent plays uh rumbling over guys upfield making conversions key plays uh getting his own run after the catch yardage i feel like he had a really strong game and of course we all know what he does in the blocking game so he's so valuable you know um but yeah the tight end room has to feel i feel like that has to get better i wouldn't be opposed to adding somebody at that spot um but we'll have to see you know they've they've got uh, not a lot of options out there. We'll we'll see who becomes available at the trade deadline and things like that. But if they were gonna add any, but any kind of position, um, in in terms of a trade deadline, I would assume tight end would be the spot after they cut Jace, and you know they could use another top end guy to kind of add to that room. Maybe you know if Zach Ertz was to become available for really cheap, maybe he could be an option in the passing game. I know he's older, but you know that's an option. We'll see what happens there. But yeah, that's the tight end spot it was nice to get production out of mercedes but other than that it's been really really shallow production
0: from that group this year. And mercedes had two two really impressive catches for a 37-year-old man. I mean, <laughs> I love how I love how excited everyone gets when he catches the ball. He's such a he's such a great great presence on the team. I'm glad we keep bringing him back on these one-year deals.
1: Yeah, he's such a great guy to have. I mean, you watch that game and Matt LaFleur is hugging Mercedes at the end of the game as the kick went in. They're standing next to each other, hugging each other. And, I, and you know Matt LaFleur is just – he knows that as, the lead, as one of the leaders of the team, he's kind of just there with one of those locker room guys and, and one of those guys in the leadership council, right? You know that's pretty much what it is. But it's also like you made such key plays for us today, and you are one of the true reasons why we won this football game. And you could see it in his eyes as they spoke to each other, hugged each other in, almost in a sigh of relief. And it was just like that's a special bond that those two have. And, of course, Rogers and him have that same kind of bond. Really, Rogers and both of those guys, you know, it's such a strong bond there. And Mercedes is so valuable to this team. Um, and I feel like, you know, it's pretty clear uh, that he's going to be, you know, whatever we're doing this year, he's going to be a part of it on and off the field.
0: I agree. DeGuara, he's got to step it up on that play that Rogers chewed him out. He was an RPO, pretty sure he was supposed to run an out, and he ran a slant, and Rodgers was visibly unhappy with that, and Rodgers is the last person that you want to be visibly unhappy with you, (laughs) because I think immediately after he left the game, and uh, the tight end behind him, who I'm going to be honest, I had never heard of, and I can't remember his name, but he came in, and I was like, who is this guy? Wow. Uh, Deguara, he's got to step it up there. He also chewed out EQ. Speaking of EQ, I don't think he has a role on this football team. Last week he had a drop. This week he had two missed blocks on wide receiver screens. It's it's sad for a guy that I was rooting for so hard when he came into the league, but I think I think his time is done these days. I mean, think about when he got cut. I, I did not expect
1: them to bring him back. You know, I was surprised that they brought him back on the practice squad, especially like to be able to, to cut him, I feel like, and he's playing, he's playing like minutes for us. You know, I was just surprised that we brought him back and, and now he's been elevated two weeks straight and he's played like, he's actually been on the field when we've got a guy like Amari Rogers who has played, he's played too, but those snaps could be taken by Amari as well. You know, whether he's really ready or not, I feel like he'd probably be a better option at this point to, to play a little bit more than EQ. Like, I feel like he could take his snaps, but you know, We'll have to see. I, I mean, I, I don't expect him. You know, once MVS comes back, I think EQ is straight back to the practice squad, kind of sitting there in case of an injury. I, I like his presence and depth. Knowing the offense, he's been here. He he has played with Aaron. He's made some plays when he was younger. He was making more plays, but he's you know he's just comfortable in the scheme and everything. So it's nice to have him around. But other than that, I think it's time to kind of get more guys on the field until things get really out of hand in terms of some kind of injuries or something. If that was to happen. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Amari is probably the better option to see more snaps there uh, at the receiver position.
0: Amari. Why, why did they even draft him at this point? I, he's MIA too. I mean, you can't give him one touch. You can't scheme something up for him. Every freaking punt return. All he does is run sideways or backwards. I'm sick of that. I, I would put someone more dynamic <laughs> or not more dynamic, I guess, because Amari's a pretty good athlete, but uh, just get him some snaps on offense, man. I, I'm, Every play he runs a jet motion, It it's so annoying. That's all he does. He's just the jet motion guy. He never even gets the ball. Last year, Tyler Irvin, he got the ball sometimes. You know, yeah, that's, that's why I was just
1: going to say. Like, that's Tyler why Irvin it works. Ball.
0: Yeah, that's why the defenses think, oh, he might get the ball here. But no, not with Rodgers for whatever reason. I'm just He's just the decoy on every single play. I'm sure one of these he'll get it. Like
1: I feel like he'll get it one of these times, right? Or he'll get something in the passing game. <laughs> You'd think. I mean, they gave Kylan Hill the ball. I was surprised by that. Yeah, they you schemed
0: know. up a screenplay for him. A delayed would, screen. That was exactly. something they'd work on. And it I was for like, Kylan Hill.
1: Yeah, is I was gonna I was wondering if this was the game that they were just kind of gonna kinda like release Kylan Hill or something. Like and then he didn't play again. <laughs> it wasn't was like, the second snap. It was so play. early.
0: It was, so it was early in the second game. snap. I was like, was what's so going early. on?
1: I know. I was like, "What is he doing out here?" I couldn't believe that they put him in the game this early. I was like, "What?" Either something went wrong in pregame, like warmups with AJ or whatever. Like I didn't know what was going on, but it was. I thought they were gonna like put him in there and keep him in there.
0: It was a play they must have practiced like a bunch of times because it was a fake bubble screen to the receiver, and then a, a dump off to Kylan Hill, a, a middle of the field screen. I mean, you're scheming up plays for your undrafted number three running back, but you can't find ways to put the ball in Amari Rodgers' hands? Come on, Matt. Come on, man. He's pooping yeah. on all our fun.
1: Yeah, he is. I mean, that that's one of the things. He always says it every week that he's got to be better, but, like, it's true. Like, there's there's always something he could be doing better. And just like everybody, just like Aaron, just like Aaron Jones, just like everybody. Um but one of those things definitely is trying to get those guys involved. I feel like he always says it's a good problem to have, and that's true, but at the same time that's looking at it from a coach's perspective, but in terms of, you know, in terms of facing the other team, it's really it is a problem because you've got these guys that are becoming decoy like players that teams really know aren't going to get the ball on a certain play, and that's a problem because then you're looking at guys maybe who let's say Amari's out there and he's he, he starts in the slot and then he motions and the guy's just like, I'm not even going to cover that. I'm not, I'm, I'm going to respect it. I'll, I'll kind of, I'll go with him, but I'm going to be looking at the run the entire time because I know that's going to be a fake motion and it's not going to actually be anything in terms of some kind of jet package there. And that's the kind of stuff that happens. And all it takes is one little advantage for the defense to come up with a better stop. And that's the kind of thing that's going to happen and has started to happen and why the running game has been, you know, that's just one of the reasons why the running game has been a little bit less successful than it has last year, than it was last year, excuse me.
0: Yeah, it helps It helps in the run game more than the pass game because at least it it gets the, the second-level defenders to jump over a gap. But in the pass game, it's like, why even bother covering it? Because you know it's not going to him. Uh, one of these days, they're going to get him the ball. But let's talk about the run game here. Uh, without Elton Jenkins, without Josh Myers, it really took a hit. Lucas Patrick, he's all right in pass protection, but in the run game, he is just, he does not have it. And uh, right now, all of our rushing production is all due to the running backs. A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, the two A.J.s, they had a great game. Uh, combined 115 yards after contact, which is, I, I don't know if it's a season high. It's got to be, I feel like. Every single yard that they earned was every single yard that they gained was hard earned. They earned each and every single yard they got. Nothing was given to them because even, even the, the 57 yarder that Jones had in the fourth quarter, that was like, that was like a three yard loss and he just, he avoided like seven or eight tackles on that play. Uh, he just went full beast mode on that one. AJ Dillon, he had a one, he had one like that where even the cameraman thought he was stopped short in the middle of the offensive line. And he kind of snuck through and, and gained a 10 or 11 yards. Uh, all Both of those guys, they're great. A.J. Dillon, by the way, really really good in the receiving game. He had his first receiving touchdown, about 49 yards on the ground or through the air with four receptions. He's done a good job at replacing Jamal Williams' production. Love you, Jamal. There's no replacing Jamal, but on the field, A.J. Dillon's done a nice job.
1: I thought the running game was pretty solid. I feel like we saw, in most aspects, I feel like we really saw how those guys did a little bit of everything and could kind of they're both so versatile and they can do so many things. And we saw AJ Dillon's hands here in this game and how he was able to catch the ball and make plays uh, after the, after the catch, you know, collect a lot of yardage. He had that touchdown from Rogers in the passing game. I mean, really good to see him get involved there. I feel like that's another element of this offense that we haven't unlocked yet really. And and I think we did a good job of really getting that kind of set in motion to be able to do that moving forward. Um, Specifically AJ Dillon, he's becoming a, a very, uh, dual threat type back kind of in the same way that not in the at the same level but in the same way that Aaron Jones is I feel like Dylan is kind of developing into that as well and they're both rubbing off on each other I feel like Jones runs harder than ever and, and is you know so much stronger in there and I think AJ Dylan's kind of rubbing off on, on him in that regard and then the same thing goes vice versa I feel like AJ's elusiveness uh, Aaron Jones' elusiveness is kind of rubbing off on AJ. So uh, that duo is truly thunder and lightning, and and they're working uh better together, and it's really helping the offense.
0: Yeah, they would do much better with a better offensive line. Corey Lindsley, I miss him so much because these early down run plays, they're just they are not working. There are way too many third and longs on offense. That's one of the biggest, the biggest, uh, the biggest differences between this year's offense and last year's offense is. Last year we faced a lot of third and manageable. You know, this year it's every every series feels like a minimal gain on first down, incomplete on second down, and then we're staring at third and nine, and it's throw it to Devonte, hope he can get open. Uh, hopefully, everything comes back to the O line, man. Once they get healthy, hopefully this rushing offense can really start to start to improve because right now it's living and dying by how far AJ Dillon's legs can take it. I
1: feel like as a play caller Matt LaFleur has kind of and this, I think the same thing goes with this offense overall. I think they understand uh, if they if they get into trouble early, it's been a lot easier and and a bit more smooth transition for them to kind of get back to their roots and start finding shorter plays, utilizing the run game. I feel like they're they're working on the timing of of when they need to kind of run or when they need to really hit a short pass. They need to find, the they're, they're finding it, you know, to the point where if they start out slow, like they did, get, did against the Bengals, they're working on being able to come back and get back to the things that they know will win them the football game and not getting too anxious about being down early or struggling and not scoring on the first drive. We saw that, you know, they they did not score on the first drive this week and they got the ball to start and then they still won the game. And that kind of clouds our debate that we always have about whether they should you know, take the ball or whether they should defer and get it, get get it in the second half to try to double up. We just won while getting the ball, not scoring, having the Bengals score. I mean, it's just, it's bizarre, right? So, but this is one of the things where they came out, not, not doing great. They did a lot of the things that we always say, you know, that's the key to when they're going to lose a game. If the offense is, you know, they're not converting on these third and longs. Then they started getting into spots where even when they were getting in the third and longs, they were converting. But most of the time, it was a lot more third and manageable in that game. Uh, and, and it was a lot of running the ball at the right time, hitting the short pass at the right time, finding the easy completion, chucking up yardage, and just getting what they could. And they're finding ways to understand how to execute that before it's too late in a football game and then still win. So to me, that's showing progress from LaFleur, Rogers, and company. Everyone else uh, kind of finding the way to not get too caught into any traps and to be able to come out of a bad situation and work it out and end up winning the game like we saw on Sunday.
0: You know, it's a good way to put it. Usually when when games start with a punt on our opening series and then the opponent's able to score first, it usually doesn't end well, but... They remained resilient, and they actually got off the plane this week, which helps because for a while there in the first quarter, I thought it was one of those games where they didn't get off the plane, and Rodgers is going to talk about how he didn't like the energy. But uh, luckily, they came back, and they fought back. Uh, last thing on the offense I want to touch on here, Bron. Uh, what's wrong with the red zone offense? I mean, if we're talking about difference, differences between this year's offense and last year's red zone, the gold zone, what happened? This is Nathaniel Hackett's his specialty. He loves the gold zone hes they're the best red zone offense in football last year with all these creative plays. Big Bobby Tunyon, he had a bunch of touchdowns, less than five yards. He was a weapon. Uh, but this year it just feels like run up the middle. Uh, I mean, especially on Sunday, it was like, why are we running up the middle so much? We, we don't have these interior players who can who can block the Bengals. I don't know why Matt kept going back to it. but uh, And then it was just go empty and, like, the sideline sprint, try to fit it in a tight window to Cobb. Like why? Why are we doing this? Why can't we have some creativity like we did last year? It's the red zone offense is why we only scored twenty five points when we had a two hundred yard receiver, a hundred yard rusher, and a three hundred yard passer.
1: Right. I, I think, you know, one of the problems to me is that teams are starting to guess more often on the play action rollout, which that was Tunyon's bread and butter. That's Roger's bread and butter, especially when you get closer to the line of scrimmage. Uh, excuse me. When you get closer to that uh, that end zone, it, it really was they're going to fake that hard run up the middle, but Rogers is going to pull out, roll out, and try to find. Most likely, it was going to be Tunyon. Uh, if not, it was going to be Devontae on something to the outside. Uh, and they just haven't hit that this year. It just hasn't been there. Teams are really they 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 picked up on that. That was that was Green Bay's best play on offense for the longest time last year. It really was and Griff, I think you agree with me there. It was really their most consistent play to convert a third down. If anything, you know, short distance, they were going to use that and it was going to work. Uh yeah, and it always absolutely. did, right? And it that's just isn't why, working this year.
0: That's why Rodgers had 48 touchdowns. He had so many so many touchdowns inside the tight red zone. And uh I I don't know. I I'd, I'd have to go back and kind of watch because I don't know if it's just we're not running it as much. I feel like in my mind we're just not. I haven't seen it as much this year. The, I saw a lot of bootlegs between the twenties on Sunday, uh, a lot more than I'm, I've seen uh, at any point in in this season so far. But in the tight red zone, it just it feels like we're just trying to go five wide or tight formation and running up the middle. And you know maybe teams are just covering the rollout better, and we also don't have the tackles to to block for the rollout. Josh Nijman probably isn't the best guy to have on on your on at the left tackle spot when we're rolling to the left. He's certainly not David Bakhtiari. Uh it's it's a lot of little things that just go into this offense and you know it's teams, man, they have a whole off season to look at what we did. We were the most successful offense in football last year. Every team has given us their best punch every week. Every defense we face is uh, hours of film study, hours of scout team work, and that's what happens when you lead the lead the NFL in points per game, and you have a quarterback who wins MVP and throws forty eight touchdowns. Um, teams they're just they're just defending a lot of our stuff much better this year. You are right.
1: Yeah, you are right. I, I think it's a lot of it is like we are the team that everybody was looking at on offense last year because we were number one in everything. We were scoring scoring over 30 points a game, leading the league in, in obviously those categories and having the MVP. It was a lot of new stuff. It was Matt LaFleur, the young head coach, all of that, Nathaniel Hackett's blending what he's done. Uh, it, w- it was very a, a lot of stuff that not a lot of guys in the league were doing, and now teams have picked up on that. Defenses have picked up on that. Um, The things that we're doing are more prevalent across the league, so defenses get a chance to see more of that stuff. And it's just like that copycat league thing you always hear about. It's true. It kind of holds true. Now Matt LaFleur, Rodgers, Nathaniel Hackett, Luke Getze have to get a bit more creative finding ways to add different elements to their offense that work um, to the point where they're able to uh, be multiple uh, and have some of those things that, still, you know, they have to disguise it better, really. That's that's the true the true uh, nature of it is they have to be more disguising uh, with some of those calls in order to be able to execute their offense and do what they want to do, uh, but not have it be something that they've seen before or something that they've seen on tape or just by the look of the play. Um, those are one of the things I think that can help, especially closer to the red zone for sure.
0: I agree. Hopefully, as I've said a million times, as this team gets healthier, we're going to look a lot more like we did last season uh, we've talked for a long time about the offense. Let's let's touch on the defense. Uh, they, like you said, they had probably their best game of the season, shutting down a, a very dynamic offense, holding Joe Burrow to only about two hundred something yards. And you know, without Jair Alexander, we thought this was going to be the worst game that we've seen in our lifetime. But uh, they held up pretty well, outside of one big play to Jamar Chase. Um, what what were your general thoughts on the the defense, Bron?
1: Yeah, look, I thought the defense played really well. Uh to me it was it was a strong strong performance. I thought uh I mentioned it earlier. I mean, there was a play where that our Packers four man rush here of get this, this is a this is a star-studded group we got here. It was Dean Lowry, Ladarius Hamilton, Jonathan Garvin and TJ Slayton, and they all contributed into getting a sack on Joe Burrow, and to me that was really impressive because not only has the Packers' four-man rush really over the course of the last few years and even this season hasn't been very good, um, but it's been good now. And it's with guys that you may have never heard of. So to me, that that's a sign of great progress for this defense. Joe Barry's done a better job as he's kind of easing into everything. Um, I feel like the pass rush did really well yesterday. They were all over Joe Burrow, all over him. You know, Rashawn had a good game. I thought Preston continues to play well. For me, he's had... A really strong year this is a great bounce back year for the, for him he's doing great things in the running game each and every week but he's also pressuring the quarterback and he's making plays he's always been the guy that's going to create turnovers um he hasn't done that as much this year but I feel like he's getting to the quarterback and pressuring him really good um so a lot of good plays uh from a lot of guys so I'm pretty excited about the way the d-line is played for sure
0: yeah I kind of saw this coming. You know, they had played three really, really good um, offensive lines to open the season. And as as we start to play these struggling offensive lines, I thought the front would look a lot better than they did early on. And they certainly have. They were in Burrow's face all game. Preston Smith, he looks awesome, man. He was, he was a shell of himself last year. 2019 had a bunch of sacks. Uh, this year, he's not going to match that sack production. But he's been so good, especially in the run game. We talk about every week his long arms. His arms are so long, man. He just sets the edge and funnels everything back inside. And he's really been able to step up with the absence of Zadarius Smith, which has just been really impressive. You got to love Preston Smith. He's su- such a great guy. And uh, after having such a poor year last year, all the fans, every me – I hated on him so much throughout the year. Seeing him bounce like bounce back like he has this season. is just great to see the change of defensive coordinators definitely helps because he's not playing in coverage nearly as much as he was under Mike Patton, of course, uh, except on the opening drive, Ron, did you see this? He was in coverage on Jamar chase in the slide. <laughs> it was on the opening drive. It was like the second play of the game. And I was like, Oh boy, this is not good. And what do you know? He throws to, to Jamar and it's a first down. Um, that, that was I not did good. see that.
1: Yeah. I. You know what happened? I saw that I'm, I'm looking at the top of the screen and it's three Bengals receivers and it's two corners for Green Bay and nobody's back at safety. At least nobody's close. There might have been somebody deep, but, and I'm thinking, okay, well, they're going to throw it there. And then I think it might've been Chris Barnes that was on the other side of the field that kind of like pointed it out. And then Preston from the edge was... I, he didn't move much, but I knew. I'm like, okay, well, Preston's probably going to have to go out there and cover him. And I was just like, okay, well, if that happens, I mean, they're going to throw the ball somewhere to that side. And then, like you said, they did. And I, that was, you know, that's one of the things I was like, oh, you know. It's kind of circumstantial. Things happen where just guys are out of alignment or it just doesn't work out. But, uh, yeah, that was certainly one of the plays where I was questioning things a little bit.
0: Yeah, me too. We got to not let that happen again. But outside of that, Preston's been awesome. And he's definitely helped the secondary, which we did not think would play very well today without Jair Alexander, or today, yesterday. I mean, two days ago when you're listening. Um, But they did. They held up pretty well. Eric Stokes, he, went, he battled with Jamar Chase the entire game. That was really fun to watch. He finished the game with seven targets, four receptions allowed, and 82 yards to Jamar Chase and a pass breakup. And he had a play... Oh, that pass break, by the way, I think it was the first quarter. I don't know, but that was that was just awesome. And he had another play in the third quarter where he was covering him in the end zone. And if he was in just in a little bit better of a position, he would have had a pick. But he was just a little bit late. He did get a hand on it, though. And he played really well. And Kevin King, who we were very worried about. But he played he played really solid, you know. He only allowed 17 yards. He made a bunch of tackles. He had one tackle that he just kind of threw his... There was body at the guy, like we're used to seeing from Kevin King, but outside of that, he on the first play from scrimmage for the Bengals, he had a really strong, really strong tackle for a gain of one yard or something like that. And it was it was just a really good game from Kevin King. You know, it helps not having Jair on the other side, because Jair, you know, he's gonna lock down whoever he's covering, so the quarterback's just gonna look at Kevin King. And so it was beneficial for him to have Eric Stokes rather than Jair on Jamar Chase. Um, But both of those guys, I was impressed for, from what I saw from them.
1: And I, I just wanted to quickly touch on Devondre Campbell because he has just been phenomenal. He had that huge pick in overtime, uh, which really, you know, it wasn't a crazy impressive play or anything. It was just, you know, he's always been, been able to get around the ball, make big plays, create turnovers, scooping, you know, he's scooping the ball uh, off of uh, fumbles. He's got multiple picks already, and it's week five. I mean, this guy is just so impressive. What he does in coverage, it's like, it's I've, I have never seen it in green Bay. I, I mean, I haven't seen it. Maybe clay Matthews was the last guy to, you know, be as dynamic as, as Devondre Campbell is a middle linebacker. Um, when clay went there for a, a year and was a pro bowler at that spot, I mean, Devandre has just really been exceptional. I, you know, I thought Blake Martinez was a good player, but it, the level of difference that it is in coverage is like, it's not close. Devandre is just playing out of this world compared to the, the guys we, that we've seen at that spot. Um, I thought Chris Barnes had a really good game. His one blitz, we all saw that play. I mean, that was ridiculous to be able to get to the quarterback, shake off the the running back who was in there uh, with, a, with a little block there and just absolutely demolished Joe Burrow. Great play for Barnes as he came back um, from his injury. And, and I, I love that room right now because we just added Jalen Smith. Devondre Campbell is becoming a true leader for this team. He's calling the plays. Uh, I'm just really excited about that that group right now. We haven't talked about Jalen Smith yet, Griff, um, and obviously everything that went down with the Stefan Gilmore situation. And We can get a little bit more on the defense as well after this, but I do want to ask you what you thought and what you think about the way that we've added to the room at linebacker and what we possibly need to do at cornerback moving forward or if there's any other positions where you feel like we need to add more talent or if you're satisfied with, with those groups.
0: I'm satisfied with what we have. I mean, if we're going to add anything, it, it would probably be another corner. Stefan Gilmore, that would have been nice. That was a crazy day, by the way. We should have done a pod that day. <laughs> that was, like, insane. Uh, from Stephon Gilmore to Rasul Douglas to freaking Jalen Smith. It was all over the place. But uh, Devondre Campbell, he, he is so good, man. It's so nice not having to worry about that position. Middle of the field, I'm – okay with what's gonna happen there and he's Campbell man he's just so fun to watch on that play that uh that Burrow got hurt he was Burrow rolls out to the left he's scrambling and uh Campbell just takes off for Burrow but then the running back who's kind of to the left of Burrow takes up off the up the sideline and Campbell just flips his hips and runs right with him and so Burrow has to tuck it and run and obviously Darnell makes a great play there um, but he, he's making those plays all over the field and he still only has two missed tackles on the season. He's been wrapping guys up, bringing them down. He'll allow a catch, but he's running right to you and keeping everything in front of him. And he's just been so good. And him and Jalen Smith on passing downs, dude, I, I don't think anyone's going to be able to throw over the middle on us. And Mm-mm. which is very unpackers like on his interception in overtime. I have absolutely no idea what Joe Burrow was thinking there literally threw it right to him. He threw it right to him. I don't know what he saw, but uh, at least Campbell made the play because I'm sure there's a bunch of linebackers in Packers history who would have dropped that one.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't, I literally watched that play and I, once they got the ball and it was pretty much, okay, we want the ball. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is disgusting. Like we just, we just gave the game away. We had the, we had the game won. Rodgers did what he did in San Francisco he got us in that spot with Devontae. We kicked a field goal and missed it, and now the Bengals have a chance to win in overtime. and And I was like, against this defense, like I, it just was like a storybook way for us to lose. And then first play of the of the overtime, and we've got the ball back. I'm like, okay, we're gonna win. And then of course we missed the kick, and then we, you know, we got the ball back when they missed the kick. It was like. I literally the emotions of that game I will never get over. But uh, that pick, (laughs) yeah, that pick was certainly like it was just perfect. It was perfect for that weird game that we watched. Like it was just I think he wanted Boyd to do something different, but it was like about ten yards probably from where he was. So it just looked it looked like Devondre was like the lead receiver on that play,
0: so it worked (laughs) out well for us. Campbell literally ran the route. That was awesome. Dynamic. Player. And, it, and it, the, the run after the catch was nice, too. He got us in a good spot. <laughs> yeah, you so. got that yak. Yeah. Thanks, Joey. Yeah, I um, appreciate it. I think on early downs, if we, if in our base package, we could run with Campbell and uh, Chris Barnes, who's showing to be a good downhill player at linebacker. And then on third downs, we bring in Jalen. I think that's going to be a, a good tandem there Campbell and Jalen Smith. Obviously, Jalen Smith, not quite the player he used to be, uh, especially in run defense, but. And in the past game, he's still very effective. And he's very fast, still very quick. You know, it's going to it's gonna help having those two those two linebackers in the middle there.
1: I honestly, I didn't want to get too excited about the Jalen Smith signing. But honestly, like, if he can get even close to what he was as a pro bowler, like, I thought he played, he's played okay this year. Like, but then again, this is also in Dallas. And we know what goes on on that side of the ball for most of, uh, you know, They've been pretty bad on defense the last several years. They're better this year, but I mean, he's been a bright spot for them, and and he was one of their captains. Like he was one of their true leaders on that football team. He's gonna bring more than than what he brings on the field. He'll be he'll be an influence in the locker room. One of those guys that it's a veteran addition. It brings like an excitement. It brings a championship quality to bring a guy like that who has been in the Pro Bowl and he was he's not far removed from that. He hasn't been hurt since then. Like, I feel like there's a lot of room here. Like, we, Devondre Campbell, like, listeners here, like, listen, like, this is, he was not very good. You hear Cardinals fans talk about, you know, he was bad for us. I don't know how he's been good. Same thing with Atlanta. He wasn't very good in Atlanta. You hear that all the time. But I don't know whether it's Joe Barry or the system or just, you know, the age of Campbell kind of maybe this is the perfect spot where he's coming into his own and playing better. I don't know what it is, but I certainly think Jalen Smith could get back to the Pro Bowl level he was at if Devondre could come out and be a guy who was signed on the street for the minimum contract. I think Jalen can come out and play just as well to the point where maybe it's those two guys playing a lot of snaps together. Maybe Barnes is the guy. He is an undrafted kid. you know. Barnes is good. He's a nice player for us, but he was undrafted. You know? I, I think he, it wouldn't be bad to have him as the third guy. Like We've seen how often guys like Oren Burks and Ty Summers play, even when we've got Chris Barnes and Devondre Campbell in the game. I certainly think it would not be a bad thing to have Barnes as the third guy if we can get to a point where Jalen Smith is playing potentially close to that Pro Bowl level. I don't think it would be a bad thing to have Jalen and, and Devondre as our two studs in the middle, similar to what the Bucks have. I mean, like, not obviously, those guys are young and fast, and, you know, Levante David is a, the older veteran, and, and uh, Devin White is that sideline, sideline, pass coverage guy. I feel like the Packers could have that similar tandem of like elite middle linebacker play that can dominate a game. That's what I'm hoping this signing does. And I think the Packers have hope that they could get that as well with this
0: move. Yeah. Well said it's hopefully Joe Barry. He's an experienced linebackers coach. Hopefully he can turn Jalen Smith's career around just like he did Devondra Campbell. Um, I, I just touching more on the defense here. I don't know why people are acting like Joe Burrow had a good game. Uh, I I don't know why that's the consensus here because he really didn't. If you take away that that Jamar Chase touchdown, obviously that counts. But if you take that away, he finished twenty five of thirty seven with two hundred and eleven yards, which is five point seven yards per attempt, a touchdown and two picks, one of them being one of the worst throws I've ever seen. So I don't I don't know why people are acting like he like he kind of diced this up. I, I mean, he's got a pretty bright future, but just annoying when we come out of that game and it's like yeah, I don't know. Just, he he did not play that well. And that Jamar Chase touchdown, that was similar to the one that uh, Jair got got beat on last week on the opening drive for Pittsburgh. It's like, oh, just an inch, an inch away from being a pass breakup and a great play. And it's six points for the for the opposing team. Very frustrating there.
1: Yeah, I, th- I don't know what you think of the safety play, Griff, but I, I feel like at times it, it, it just hasn't been as good this year as it was last year. I feel like Darnell is playing a little bit better. I feel like Amos, he he's not playing as good as he wore as he was last season. Also, um, there's just something I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is. Maybe it's the new system, but I feel like they're both coming into their own now. Darnell, closer to the line of scrimmage, when he's making those plays in the running game and those short short yardage passes, like that's where he lives and breathes, and just has so much success. And Adrian Amos is kind of in a similar spot where he could do those things too, but when he's back deep, he's a sure tackler, he's doing great things in the running game as well. like those guys are finally starting to get into what they were doing last year, and I feel like this is the first time we've seen both of those guys have a pretty strong game, uh, so that was good to see.
0: Yeah, Amos, I don't know if I'd say he had a strong game. he was he had the pick. that was a nice pick. but um he, he just he doesn't look like the player he was last year. And he just seems out of position a lot of the time, but hopefully that can change. Obviously, safety isn't a huge, isn't a huge, you know, important position on the defense. It's one of the less less important positions on defense, actually. So it's not like an average player there is really going to harm the defense. He's st- I he's I'd say he's above average still, but um, I just don't think he's he's quite the player he was. And Darnell, I'd like to see him in the box a little bit more. You know, I'd like to see him see him used differently by Joe Barry, just get creative with him because he's, he teleports all over the field. He did that in college and he's done it his entire career. He's such an athlete that I think, I think it just, if Joe Barry wanted to, he could have some real, so a lot of fun with uh, Darnell Savage and, uh, hopefully we see that more as the season goes on because that tackle he made on Joe Burrow obviously I hope Joe Burrow was okay but uh that tackle he made was literally insane the way he just flew over to him and made the tackle short of the short of the sticks
1: yeah i agree griff and and with that kind let's kind of transition into what will be uh should be a good game versus the Chicago Bears um this coming sunday here obviously a divisional matchup against the 3 and 2 Bears we're we're 4 and 1 so this is going to be a big game uh, not only for right now, but for the division moving f- moving forward. Uh, so give me your first initial thoughts on that game and what you're looking for as we approach that Sunday matchup.
0: Well, uh, any game in Soldier Field is not a gimme, but this Bears team is not very good. They beat the Raiders. Uh, I hate the Raiders. I hate Derek Carr, man. He always gets me. Every year he gets me. He gets everyone. everyone he has a really good few games at any point in the season. Everyone's thinking he's a finally... Turned it around. He's finally got the pieces around him. And then he just, he poops his pants against the Bears, dude. Come on. Justin Fields, he didn't look that good. He threw his first touchdown. Only had like 100 yards passing. Uh, we saw the way he struggled against Cleveland. So I think, I think there's a lot of players on our defense who can kind of give him the jitters. And, you know, Chicago, they still got a good defense. Not as good as it once was, but they still have a really solid defense. With Khalil Mack, too, he's still a problem. So hopefully the offensive line, hopefully Elton can get back and Josh Myers. That would be great because we're going to need all the help we can get against Khalil Mack. But um, I think this is a game that we should win. I think we're definitely the better team. But uh, like I said, man, it's an NFC North game. Anything can happen. And it's in Soldier Field. So it's never going to be automatic.
1: Yeah, of course, that, that Soldier Field divisional matchup, it's always uh, it's going to be close. It's not going to be a blowout, I don't think. But... Um... Yeah, I think I definitely think Chicago is not as good as their three and two record. And that doesn't sound like, you know, that's not a great record or anything. But I just don't think Chicago is as good um, as maybe some other people think or as their fans think. uh, Just because, you know, the quarterback thing, it, they have a rookie quarterback. It's not going to be easy. They're not going to do anything this year. They know that Um, the uncertainty at quarterback over the past several games has kind of put them behind the eight ball in terms of kind of developing their offense and getting their chemistry. Matt Nagy is still the worst head coach in the game. Probably, um, he's just just terrible as a leader, as as a guy. I mean, you just watch his press conferences, and it's just like I don't get how this guy leads a football team. Like he's just <laughs> atrocious, and not to mention his play calling, which is some of the worst in in the NFL. Uh, Chicago's offense is so hard to watch, especially you know with some of the guys they're trotting out there each and every week. Um, that offensive line is bad. Their running game has gotten better, but they also just lost David Montgomery. Uh, and he won't be playing in this game. He's on IR. So, uh, to me, the scheme is probably one that's going to be easier to take advantage of from our defensive stand- standpoint. Um, so, I- I'm looking forward to this game. I feel like this is a great chance to separate ourselves in the division. Uh, if we get, if we win this game, get to five and one. Chicago's at three and three in second place. Uh, that's a, you know, we got a two game lead there, and, and that's going to be tough for any of those other teams that uh you know the vikings and the bears the lions really don't need to be mentioned at this point but uh, those other <laughs> oh, come teams on, man. <laughs> i mean they're 0 five head coach is crying <laughs> i mean i don't know what you i don't know what we can say about them anymore but you know even the vikings are really just a bad football team the, yeah, the vikings man, almost lost to that crying head coach uh, so i mean yeah yeah
0: man i mean if the bears if the bears win they're sitting on top of the division very weird that's true, but, but that's a pretty big it's such a weird spot we're in because it feels like we the division's never been worse in Matt LaFleur's career but it's also like if the Bears win they're all of a sudden sitting on top of the division So it's, it's, it's quietly a very important game and right. the Bears you know they're always going to give us their best shot the, the like everyone says the Packers game it's they get two Super Bowls a year it's both Packers games and they're going to play us as tough as they can you know Matt Nagy as bad of a coach he is, he's gonna get them riled up because they're playing the Packers. And uh they're gonna bring their A game, so we gotta be on top of it because the the I just I don't want to hear the media talk about us losing to the Chicago Bears. <laughs> for one thing. And not to mention it would be very, very damaging for the success of our team this year to lose a game that we should definitely win over the Bears. And you know, historically, Matt LaFleur has absolutely dominated the NFC North. Believe he has one win, or I mean, one loss, uh, week eight last year against the Vikings. Don't know if he's lost a game. Other than that, I do not believe he has. And uh, he's never lost to the Bears either. So, um, let's hope he can keep that streak going.
1: All right, Griff, tell me first of all, I need your X factor for this game. Give me the guy you think is going to be crucial to getting the victory. And then also tell me. Um, your prediction for the result as well.
0: I mean, I I got to predict a win here. It's the Bears. The Bears will always suck in Justin Fields. I wanted to root for Justin Fields so bad, man. I I, <laughs> I really liked him. I thought he was being slept on, but then when he goes to Chicago, I mean, I hate him. I hate him already. He's played like three games, and I hate him. I just can't stand him. Uh, so the Bears suck. They're always going to suck. They still suck, and I think we're going to win by, uh, by a couple scores. So I'm going to say... Thirty one to ten. Justin Fields sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Griff, did you say an X Factor? I wasn't listening at the beginning. No. Can you? Uh, okay, give I'll give <laughs> can you? I'll give you an X Factor. Um give me Preston Smith. I think he's gonna terrorize. Jason Peters, is he still playing left tackle for the Bears? I believe he is. I think he's going to give Jason Peters, old, washed up Jason Peters, more than he can handle.
1: Yeah, Griff, I I kind of agree with you in terms of that score. That's that's a pretty good score. I feel like it's going to, I don't know, maybe it'll be closer. I'm going to go with something a little bit closer. I'm going to say 29-23, so I'm giving us a six-point win, but we're not going to hit that 30 mark that I feel like we'd like to hit just because it's a divisional game against a pretty good defense. You know, that's a good defense there. Um, so I'm going to give us just that 29 mark. And for me, when I'm looking at an X factor, uh, it's got to be what's, what's going on in the middle of the field with Devondre Campbell. I, I feel like, you know, that's kind of an easy answer because of how well he's played. But if Justin Fields is going to be running the ball at all, a lot of, that, a lot of the time it's going to be Devondre's responsibility to make sure that he's gotten to the ground. Um, and he's not getting upfield running the, with the football. So I think if he's able to kind of manage that, not even in just a spy role, but if he's going to do any kind of thief action from the middle, um, just to be there and, and to execute that kind of zone type uh, zone type work, whether he's in a man and he's kind of sitting in the middle of the zone uh, or he's just going to be that spy, uh, any kind of man coverage stuff, I feel like he's able to kind of execute in his own uh, and be there in case Justin Fields tries to run, uh, he's going to be crucial in stopping that. So for me, that's the key uh, to winning this football game.
0: I just watched the throw to Cobb in overtime. Oh, my God, dude. I can't believe it. I can't believe Randall Cobb is playing for us. I can't believe Rodgers. He's so good. The way he laid on the ground, he's, he's so good. All right. Um, I guess that does it. Cleared the outline. Went through every note I made. I believe you did as well, Braun. So that's going to do it. We've been recording a very long time. It was a very eventful game. Lots to talk about. So it's pretty fitting. Thank you for listening. If you're still listening, it means a ton. Please consider subscribing on Spotify, iTunes. Why not both? And YouTube. Like the video on YouTube. Share it with your friends and family. Rate us five stars. Please. It really helps us. We'll be back next week uh, after the Bears game on Tuesday. That's the new release day. Every Tuesday, today in Titletown, make it your Tuesday podcast. Please share it with your friends and family. Leave a good review or a bad review. Just tell us tell us what you think of the podcast. It helps it, Tom. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Packers And Braun, you can follow him on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers. Follow the podcast, Instagram, and Twitter at Today. Twitter's Today Titletown, right? Today in Town. Today Titletown.
1: in Titletown was too long
0: ah oh, too long that sucks today title town follow that on twitter the name is today in title town so if you search today in title town it's probably going to show up but on instagram it is today in title town i guess instagram doesn't have character limits for their usernames follow that subscribe it means a ton it helps a lot thank you so much for listening go pack go
1: thanks for listening everyone go pack go go pack go
0: bears still suck <laughs>